Yeah. It isn't over yet. You know what God tells you today? He says to you today, if you're my follower, you're gonna make it through. Whatever you're going through, you're gonna make it through. And he says, it's all gonna be okay in the end. Everything's going to turn out all right in the end. And if things aren't turning out all right for you right now, it's just not the end. Because he will write the rest of your story. He's the one that's in charge. He's in control. And it's never too late for God to come through. So don't give up. And by the way, it's never too late for a fresh start. And that's what we're talking about in this series. God wants to give us a new day, but it takes a new way following him. So let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much that you love us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have a, an amazing purpose for each and every life, that you don't create anything without a purpose, including us. So I pray today that you would just speak to us through your word, because I know so many of us are going through struggles and problems and pain, but Lord, you wanna see us through. And you want us to follow your way and experience your power in our lives. And I know we all need to make some changes in our lives that can make all the difference. So we turn to you for your power. I pray, Lord, you would just speak to every person within the sound of my voice through your word. You'd speak to every person who's worshiping with us online, wherever they are, Lord. Let them know you're right there with them. And I pray for everyone here in the Woodlands campus, everyone Lord, at our Atascacita campus, everyone worshiping through our broadcast ministry, you just let them know that you're real and that you love them. And I know, Lord, you know what they're going through. I have no idea what they're going through other than I know that they have problems and hidden hurts like we all do. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just meet them right there. Let them know that you know what they're going through. And I pray that you would meet their need so they could see that you're real and that you love them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Hey, life doesn't always go like we want it to. And many things in life are beyond our control. There are many things in life we don't get to choose. You don't get to choose most of the circumstances that come into your life, but you do get to choose how you respond to them. And that choice is powerful. What you do with that choice will make all the difference in your life. Your greatest ability is responsibility, how you respond to what happens to you in life. And that choice is one of the greatest gifts God has given you. When you take responsibility for how you respond in life, you begin to realize the power of the choice no circumstance can steal. But if you believe the lie that your happiness determines, or your happiness is determined by what happens to you in life, that your circumstances are really the key to success in life, then you'll get stuck in your circumstances. That's why we started this new series I'm calling New Day, New Way. It's 21 days to a breakthrough from the areas of our lives that we get stuck in. And this weekend we're talking about the choice. The choice that brings powerful change. And the Bible says it's not your circumstances, it's your character that determines what you do with your life. So let's look at our key passage. It's in the book of James chapter one, would you stand in honor of God's word? Just follow along with me. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. 
So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. You can be seated. The Bible says we need a new perspective on our problems, and it's a radical new perspective. It says we need to see our problems, pressures, and the painful circumstances that come into our lives as gifts. And I want to ask why. Why in the world is that a gift? Because it's the way character is built, and it's your character, not your circumstances, that determine your destiny. There's a famous study where researchers looked at hundreds of exceptionally gifted people trying to find out what produced such greatness in their life. And they wanted to know if there was a common thread that ran through all of these outstanding people's lives. And surprisingly, they found the common thing that linked them all together was virtually all of them had to overcome extreme adversity to become who they were. They all faced overwhelming obstacles in their circumstances. And we look at our problems and struggles and pain as our greatest obstacle to become who we wanna be in life. But it turns out, it's just the opposite. Your problems aren't holding you back. In fact, your problems are the very thing that can take you to a new level in life. Your greatest adversity is your greatest opportunity for breakthrough. That is, if you realize the power of the choice. Joseph in scripture came to realize the power of the choice more than just about anyone else in God's word. Joseph is this amazing 17-year-old teenager who loves God, obeys his dad, he has character beyond his years, but he still had some maturing to do. Joseph was his father's favorite. Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons and he gave him this ornate coat of many colors that he didn't give to any of his other sons, so of course Joseph's brothers were really jealous of him. And God gave Joseph this great dream that one day he would be a great ruler and even his brothers and father would come and bow down to him. Now Joseph had some pride God had to deal with before he could fulfill the dream. You see, Joseph would come around his brothers with his beautiful coat and kind of rub it in their faces that he was father's favorite. And Joseph was also really excited to share with them this dream he got from God. He said, hey guys, God gave me this most amazing dream. God told me I'm gonna be a great leader and all of you are gonna come and bow down to me. Isn't that awesome? Well, they didn't think it was very awesome. They were jealous and they wanted to kill him. And look at what happens in Genesis chapter 37, beginning with verse 23. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. They strip him of his coat and throw him into a pit, and then they're trying to decide while he's in that pit if they're gonna kill him or not. And I think it was in the bottom of that pit that Joseph had a breakthrough. Joseph had been riding high. I mean, up until that time, everything was going great for him. He was his father's favorite. God gave him a great dream. Every circumstance in his life was all good. And then suddenly, he finds himself in the bottom of a pit, and it looks like he's about to die, and the dream is going to end before it could even get started. But I think it was probably in the bottom of that pit where Joseph realized he was powerless to fulfill the dream. It was God's dream that only God could fulfill. The pit strips him of all his pride so he can experience God's power. And I think it's only in the pit that we realize how powerless we are and how much we need God. 
The pit strips us of our pride, the pride of thinking we're in control, that we've got it all together, that we can fix the problem ourselves. We usually have to hit rock bottom before we look up to God. Sometimes a dream has to hit rock bottom before we surrender it to God, let him take the pride out of it and give it back to us, and it's his dream that he'll do his way for his glory. Sometimes a marriage has to hit rock bottom so God can strip you of your pride and you finally go get counseling. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. It says, pride comes before disaster and arrogance before a fall. Pride always leads to a fall. Pride leads to the pit. But that's a good thing because without the pit, you can't experience God's power. But it's there in the pit of failure You have the choice. In pride, you can keep trying to climb out of that pit with your own strength, or you can surrender to God's power. And some of you have been stuck in the same pit for a long time because you keep thinking you can climb out of it. You're stuck in the same old financial pit, making the same mistakes over and over again, the same old relational pit, still dealing with the same issues, or it's the same old struggle, or the same old addiction, and you've been thinking, yeah, I've been stuck, but this is the year. I'm gonna change, I'm gonna climb out of it. This time, I'm really going to change. I guess you haven't hit rock bottom yet. You'll be stuck in it until you're sick of it. You're gonna be stuck in that pit until you're sick of that pit. We usually don't get sick of it until our pain is greater than our pride. Then we surrender to God's power and we find that he's right there in the pit with us to lift us out. See, God loves you when you're on the mountaintop of success and he loves you just the same when you're in the pit of failure. Look what Psalm 145 says. The Lord holds up all who fall. He raises up all who are brought down. We all fall, we all fail, we all find ourselves in the pit of failure at times, but when we fall, we can find the God who holds us up. Joseph started in the pit, but he ended up in the palace. God raised him up from the pit to the palace, and without the pit, he would have never made it to the palace. And without the pit, we can't go to the palace of our purpose in life. It's at the bottom of the pit you can find your breakthrough. I believe it was in that pit Joseph had his breakthrough. In the pit, everything was out of his control, but not God's. And from then on, you don't see a hint of pride in Joseph's life. Well, Joseph's brothers decide not to kill him. Instead, they sell him to slave traders, and they take him to Egypt, and they sell him to be a slave, and he ends up in the house of a guy named Potiphar. Now, I said Joseph started in the pit and he ended up in the palace, and that's true, but first, he had to go through the fire. And it's at the pit of failure we discover God's power, but it's only in the fire of problems and pressures that our character can be built. And remember, it's not your circumstances, it's your character that determines your destiny. God brings us through the fire to refine our character. He's building our character to match our calling. And Joseph had this great calling on his life. He was gonna be raised up to second in command in all of Egypt to save Egypt and Israel and his family from disaster. And it seems like to me that the people God raises up the most and they have the greatest impact in people's lives face the greatest adversity. God is preparing them for something great. The sequoia is the largest tree on the face of the earth. And behind me, you see actual 
life-size sequoia. Isn't that amazing? Just the trunk of it, that's how big a sequoia is. Now, I wanna show you something here that is pretty crazy. It's a sequoia seed, if I can get it out. You can't even see it on my finger. Let me get another one. You can't even see the sequoia. It's amazing. The sequoia seed is one of the smallest seeds on the face of the earth. The sequoia seed is so tiny you can barely see it. And it ends up being the largest tree on the face of the earth. From so small to so great. And that's the way God works. He takes the small things. He takes whatever you've got and you give it to him. And you walk through the fire, he refines your character and he grows you to be something great. Now I also have up here a cone. Now you can see this cone. Here, give a close up of this cone. You can see that, can't you? A little bit anyway? All right. That is a real sequoia cone and this is a real sequoia tree. Now this tree is pretty small. It's got a ways to go, but isn't that amazing? If I cultivate that tree right in my backyard, who knows what God can do? <laughs> no, the environment's not great in Houston for that, but, um, but it's kind of fun to have a really little sequoia. And this cone here, what's amazing about this is when a forest fire comes through and this cone gets really hot, the seeds then pop out like popcorn. And it's only through the fire that the seeds will pop out. It's only through the fire that we didn't have sequoias. Without the fire, there's no great sequoia tree. Isn't that amazing? And then also the sequoias need forest fires to come through to clear out all the brush. They're so big, they don't get very affected by the fire, except for the fact they get blessed by the fire because it clears out all the brush and allows them to grow bigger and taller and greater. Without the fire, there would be no great sequoia tree. God uses the fire to prepare you for greatness. If you're going through the fire right now and nothing makes sense, just know God is preparing you for a great purpose here on earth and he's preparing you for a great destiny to rule and reign with him in eternity. But I gotta tell you, your character is not automatically built in the fire. Our character can go up in flames during the fire. The fire will either build you or burn you. It all depends on the choice. It all depends on how you respond to the fire. And the first fire that Joseph faces is the fire of temptation. You see, he ends up in a guy named Potiphar's house as a servant, and Joseph in humility does such a good job, he's raised up to be in charge of everything in the house. But then Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, Joseph refuses, he runs from the temptation, she's left holding his cloak. It's the second time he loses his coat but he doesn't lose his integrity. And every time you make the decision to run from temptation and maintain your integrity, it builds your character in a major way. Now this topic deserves a lot more time than I can give it today. So next weekend, we're gonna talk about a new way to deal with the temptations that try to steal our integrity. It's gonna be a really positive message on how you can have victory over the struggles and sins that we so easily get stuck in and how God can restore your integrity, give you a fresh start and how we can walk in victory and live in integrity. We don't have to walk around in shame. So don't miss it.
Well, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of trying to assault her, and he's thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. But there in the prison, he makes the choice again to trust God in the fire. In prison, he interprets the dream of a former cupbearer of Pharaoh. And Joseph tells him, the dream means in three days, you're gonna be back in Pharaoh's favor. He's gonna bring you out of the prison and back to the palace. Then Joseph tells him this in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. Look at it with me. And please remember me and do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this palace. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. He forgot all about Joseph. That's one of the saddest scriptures in God's word. He forgot all about Joseph. Joseph ended up in maybe the most painful fire of all, the fire of feeling forgotten. Have you ever been there? Joseph was forgotten by a friend, and I'm sure he felt forgotten by God at times in that prison cell. I mean, Joseph is totally surrendered to God, and yet one devastating, awful circumstance after another keeps slamming into his life. He's doing God's will. He's following God with all his heart, and all these bad things keep happening, and he ends up in the fire of feeling forgotten, but he still makes a choice. He knows the power of the choice, that it's a choice that no pit, no person, and no prison can take away, and he chooses to trust God that God still is in control. And folks, I want you to know in this life, jealous people will try to hurt you. Immoral people will try to tempt you. Ambitious people will try to use you. Unfaithful people will betray you. And ungrateful people will forget you. But none of it can stop you if the Lord is with you. And you make that choice. No circumstance can keep you from your calling. And there will be times when you go through the fire of feeling forgotten. But God will never forget you. He will walk with you through whatever fire you're going through. So what do I do when circumstances come against me? Well, we need to make the choices that Joseph made. I wanna get real practical here. Joseph made some really critical choices when he went through the fire. The first one is choose to be faithful where God has you. Be faithful where God has you so you'll be prepared for where God's taking you. If you're not faithful where God has you, you won't be prepared for where God wants to take you. Joseph was faithful and responsible wherever he was. He couldn't control where he was, but he could control what he did. He always gives his best no matter what. Look at Genesis 39, six. So Potiphar gave Joseph the complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. He had no worry in the world with Joseph there. Joseph took responsibility and did his best where he was, and he was promoted to run the whole house. The same thing happens in prison. Joseph works hard, he gives his best, and the warden makes him responsible for all the administration of the prison. God raised him up because he was responsible. You see, Joseph is saying, I can't control these circumstances in my life, but I can still choose my response. I will be responsible. I don't know why these awful circumstances are happening to me, but I do know who's the Lord of my life. Do you choose to take responsibility for the work you do? Do you do your best regardless of the circumstances? If you don't choose to take responsibility, you'll choose to blame others. Or you'll blame your circumstances for why you're not doing your best. 
You'll blame your boss. You'll blame your coworkers. You'll blame the situation. You'll blame the system. It's just human nature to find an excuse. We are so good. It's one of our greatest abilities to find an excuse when we need it. When I'm looking for an excuse, I can find 50 good excuses. And now psychologists tell us that it is one of the greatest human gifts. That when you're looking for an excuse, you can find one easily and convince yourself that, yeah, that's why I didn't do this. That's why I didn't do my best. There's always an excuse if you're looking for a way to let yourself off the hook. Joseph chose to take responsibility for what he could do, and his work revealed his spiritual maturity and gave glory to God. When I call myself a Christian, but don't do good work at work, it's an insult to God's reputation. You know, the term quiet quitting is being talked about a lot today, and it means you just do the bare minimum at your job so you can keep getting paid. Now, I'm all for not letting your job consume your life and make you neglect your family, but quiet quitting is unbiblical. First, it's stealing, and secondly, you're really just hurting yourself because you're settling for mediocrity rather than finding your purpose. And a purpose is more important than a paycheck. God wants you to either do your best where you are or loud quit and go find a job that might pay less, but you find fulfillment in it. If you're quiet quitting, probably the best thing that could happen to you is to get loudly fired. (laughs) If you're a Christ follower, you ought to do the best you can no matter what you do. Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate tomorrow said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. You see, the reason God raised Joseph up to be second in command in all of Egypt is because no matter where he was, he chose to be faithful to God. He chose to take responsibility for what he could control instead of choosing to blame others or make excuses. So are you choosing to be faithful where God has you so you'll be prepared for where he wants to take you? Jesus said in Luke 16, 10, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And see, some of you are waiting on that big break. But Jesus says, just be faithful in the small things right where you are, and I'll break through in a big way in your life. People always say, when I make it big, I'll make a big difference for God. No, you won't. Not if you're not being faithful in the small things. Or when I get out of debt, when I make a lot more money, then I'll start tithing. Who are you kidding? If you're not faithful with what you have now, you're not gonna be faithful with more. And why would God wanna give you more if you're not faithful with what he's given you? Choose to be faithful where God has you so you'll be prepared for where he's taking you. And then secondly, trust God and not your circumstances. Trust God and not your circumstances. So many times Joseph could have given up on God. He could have complained. He could have quiet quit trying to get by to do what little he had to do so he didn't face the wrath of those that were over him. But when he was in the fire of feeling forgotten and nothing made sense, he kept choosing to trust God 
And when it seemed like every circumstance that was coming into his life was bad, he kept choosing to trust God. And when it seems like every circumstance in your life is bad and painful, and you don't feel like following God, and nothing makes sense, and God's not telling you why, choose to trust God, not your circumstances. Choose to trust God and not your feelings. Make the choice in your mind to trust God. Keep waiting on him, keep following him, keep turning to him. No matter what Joseph felt like in that prison cell, he chose to believe that God is good and his pain had a purpose. And pain often has a hidden purpose that we usually don't see until after the pain is over. We look back and go, I get it. And some pains in life, we won't see the whole purpose until we get to heaven. But God used Joseph's pain to change his path and to bring him to Egypt to save all of Egypt and Israel and his family from famine. Joseph's brothers then come to Egypt because they've got to come to Egypt to get grain and to stay alive, and they didn't know they had to stand before Joseph. They didn't know who this powerful man was who was Pharaoh's right-hand man. They didn't recognize Joseph, and Joseph reveals himself to them. And then he says this in Genesis 45, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you, And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. Joseph says, God used my pain to take me to my purpose. The pain changed my path, and the new direction directed me here. God used the pain to take me to the palace, and your pain is not without purpose. In fact, many times it's what God uses to change your path and direct you to your purpose. There in that prison, Joseph could have gotten his eyes off God and on to the horrific things his brothers had done to him and all the pain their actions had inflicted on him. But Joseph knew if he focused on his brother's wrongs against him and held on to hate, he would only be locking himself in a prison of bitterness. He would be trapped in his own prison of bitterness. And if you don't choose to forgive when people wrong you, you'll get trapped in a prison of bitterness where you allow that person to keep hurting you. Joseph had every reason to get bitter for what his brothers did to him, but he chose to forgive them for his own sake so he wouldn't let the poison of bitterness destroy his life. And when Joseph revealed to his brothers who he was, they were terrified because they thought Joseph would take his rightful vengeance after what they did to him and so They just knew Joseph was gonna kill them, probably torture them, but look what he says to them in Genesis 50, 20. It's one of my favorite scriptures. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph said, I forgave you a long time ago because I wouldn't let bitterness keep me from God's blessing. He says, you intended to harm me, See, he didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. You didn't mean it. I forgive you. That's not what forgiveness is. He said, no, you intended to hurt me, and it hurt. He doesn't minimize the hurt. He says, you intended to harm me, but the greatest harm would have been if I'd let you lock me in a prison of bitterness. Booker T. Washington said, I will permit no man to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. 
No matter what people do to you, they can't make you hate them and lock yourself in a prison of bitterness that only ruins your life. You see, Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. And there will be people in your life who'll try to hurt you, but God could even take that and turn it for your good and his glory. Do you need to forgive someone today? Someone who's hurt you deeply and Maybe you're saying, Carrie, you don't know what they did to me. And I don't. But what I'm saying is, you have to choose to forgive whether you feel like it or not for your own sake. And you're not letting them off the hook or saying what that did is no big deal. No, in fact, you're giving them over to God's justice. You're letting yourself out of prison because bitterness lets someone from your past mess up your life in the present. And you can choose to forgive whether you feel like it or not. Whenever I forgive someone who hurts me, I never feel like it. But I choose to do it in spite of my feelings, and it brings healing. I mean, forgiveness brings healing. I've seen people healed physically because they've held on to bitterness for 30 years, and then finally they choose to forgive, and it's released in the poison that's been eating away at their soul. Even their body is released. You see, it's like a cancer that eats you up. You have to choose to forgive for your own sake. Doesn't mean you choose to trust again. Trust takes a lot of time to build back, it's a different thing. Doesn't mean if your business partner hurts you deeply and cheats you, doesn't mean you gotta get back in business with him when you forgive. You forgive for your sake. And some of you today just need to forgive and you'll experience a refreshing breakthrough that you won't be able to believe. And some of you today are waiting on God to come through. You've been waiting and waiting and praying and praying, and you're going through the fire of feeling forgotten. You've been doing all the right things, following God, seeking him, and it seems like the heavens are silent. Nothing makes sense. I wanna say to you, trust God and not your feelings. Trust God and not your circumstances. Choose in your mind, regardless of how you feel, Choose to trust God, don't give up on him. He's just building your character to prepare you for something bigger. Don't give up on God, just choose to surrender to him and his purpose for your life. And some of you are in the pit of failure today. You've been trying to control things and everything has spun out of control. But it's a good place to be because it's in the pit that you'll find God's power if you choose to surrender. That's really the big choice that we all have to do all the time, surrender. The choice to surrender your circumstances to God, your life to God. Bruce Larson points out a powerful picture of surrender. He says, in New York City, most everybody knows there's a gigantic statue of Atlas in Rockefeller Center. Just look. And it's the statue of a man with all his muscles straining, trying to hold the whole world on his shoulders and it looks like he can barely stand up under the burden, and he's doing that all the time, 24 hours a day. And it reminds me of what I do many times, trying to hold it all together. But just across the street, on the other side of Fifth Avenue, is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the high altar is a little statue of the boy Jesus, maybe eight or nine years old, and with no effort, look at this picture. He's holding the world, look how small it is, to the boy Jesus. 
no effort. He's holding the whole world in one hand. And what a vivid picture of the choice. We can try to carry the world on our shoulders or we can surrender to Christ and give him our lives, our problems, our pain. We can surrender to God our whole world and let him hold us up. And that's really what it's all about, Will and Church. That's really what it's all about. Some of you have been trying to hold up your world. You're trying to be the general manager of the universe. You're trying to control things you were never meant to control and you can't control. You're not God. Be still and know that he is God. And you're not. You see, you can try to be like Atlas and hold up the world, but it's gonna wear you out and you're gonna fail. But it's there in the pit of failure you can surrender to God. And he'll hold you up in your whole world. And you can trust him. That's what it comes down to. That's the choice. Would you stand? And the biggest choice that you'll ever make is the choice to surrender to Jesus Christ and let him save you. To stop trying to save yourself and be good enough to get to heaven. To stop trying to climb out of the pit of your sins because we're all sinners and we need a savior. And just receive Jesus. Just give up to him. We're gonna pray that prayer in a moment. But first, what I want you to do is close your eyes I want you to hold out your hands. And, you know, don't touch the person in front of you. That's kind of creepy. So, um, <laughs> but just hold out your hands and keep them held out. And think about all your problems. And some of you got some big burdens. Think about those burdens that are weighing you down. You walked in here thinking about them. Those burdens. Maybe it's a financial burden. Maybe it's one of your kids is really struggling. Maybe it's a marriage issue that you're stuck in. Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's the future, and you're worried, and you're stressed, and you're worn down, and you've been trying to hold it all together, but everything just gets worse. Keep holding your hands out. Some of you are giving up. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one with my eyes open. I know that's not true because I see some of you looking back at me, but close your eyes. You don't obey me, you probably don't obey God. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, you obey God, that's what you do. Just keep your arms held out. I know that it's tired. I'm, look, I'm resting, you can look. I'm resting one arm on the podium. See, I'm cheating, that's not right. I didn't even know I was doing that until I looked down. Okay, close your eyes again. Keep your arms out. Keep your arms out. Think about the burdens and the problems but this time, think about how you're gonna give them over to him, that you're gonna stop making excuses, that you're gonna just give them over to him and keep your arms out as we pray, a prayer of surrender. Dear God, we come before you and admit that we try to do your job. Lord, I know that so many times I try to do your job and I try to hold everything together and I feel like that I'm the one that's gotta do it and and I try to fix everything, try to control my circumstances, control other people, control my problems, control my image, control my pain. And Lord, I was never meant to control. You're in control, and I thank you, Lord. Forgive me for trying to control these things. Forgive me, Lord, for 
not looking to you. I admit I'm not God and I'm powerless to control everything. I admit that I'm not the general manager of the universe. I can't even change my life, but you can. So Lord, I, I just give you my burdens and my problems, my pain, the things I don't understand, and I choose to trust you, and I give them over to you right now because you're big enough to hold me and my whole world. Now as your eyes are closed, just let your hands drop because you've given it over to God and it feels good. And God is in control and he loves you and he's gonna take care of you. He's gonna see you through. He has the power to hold you and all your burdens. But we have to make that choice every day to choose our response. And then if you've never received Christ, would you pray this prayer right now, silently to God, just to surrender to him? Just pray this. Dear Jesus Christ, I admit I've been trying to do your job. I'm not God. I can't save myself, so I ask you to save me, to forgive me of my sins, come into my life. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. I can't get there. I thank you for your salvation, your free gift of heaven. Now I surrender to you to be the Lord of my life, to follow you the best I know. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life wherever you are and you'll never be the same. If you keep choosing to take those steps and grow in him and obey him and surrender to him on a daily basis, the things that you're going through. In Woodland Church, I hope that you're doing the devotional. We're doing something called Follow the Light. And for 21 days, we're going through the book of John once a day for 21 straight days. The book of John has 21 chapters. And if you haven't started it yet, Start it when you go home today or tomorrow morning. It's seven days a week for three weeks. We just finished the first week. It's not too late to join in and go to the website, wc.org. You'll see the devotional there. You can read the devotional right there. And then we're doing a little video, about three minutes, where I and some others are teaching on that chapter. Just watch that. And every day, spend time with God and follow Jesus through the book of John. You'll become more like him. You'll be going the right direction and you will see that he's the light that breaks through for you. It's never too late to get started and it's never too late for a fresh start. And I'm telling you, if you're waiting on God, like so many of you are, you're doing the right thing, you're following the light, but it feels like God has forgotten you God says this to you today from the book of Isaiah, I cannot forget you. I have written your name on the palm of my hand. You see, the Bible says God has a tattoo and it's on his hand and it's your name and he constantly looks at it. He doesn't look at it and think, oh, they can't do right. They're always messing up. I don't know why I'm patient with them. No, he looks at it in love. Whether you're on the mountaintop of success or you're in the pit of failure, he loves you just the same and he wants you to surrender to him. He's not forgotten you. He will never forget you. He will walk with you through the fire and he will see you through and you will make it through with his power because it's never too late. You keep trusting, you keep believing, you keep following because he will come through. Believe God that your pain is not without purpose but that he is powerful enough to carry you in your whole world. Let's sing together, it's never too late. 
Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.